0: Okay, we've been filling in the blanks, and then we got the Good Friday, and we did the crucifixion on Palm Sunday, and Good Friday, we talked about the Old Covenant and the New. And so, naturally, we had to skip a whole lot, so it's time to go back and pick up some more of those fill-in-the-blank things, Uh, little uh, passages that you read over quickly and don't think about, and There's a very significant uh, bit of information that we have here tonight that will fill in the blank, and it's on the burial of Christ, we want to talk about that, and what transpired with that, and how, uh, as the scripture explains it, how it's significant to us, and we can learn When we look at uh, the Jewish culture, we can learn something about uh, exactly what happened there. So I ask you to turn your Bible to Luke chapter 24. We are going to look at uh, three of the four uh, explanations of what happened as soon as Christ died on the cross. uh, What happened with him and the body and so forth. And uh, each one is a little different. Uh, We're going to look at uh, Mark and Luke and John's account of this because each one will fill us in with some information. But we want to get the background, of course. We've talked about that quite often. There's something there that we want to look at too. So we're going to start with Luke's gospel, chapter number 23. 23. Chapter number 23, and I'm beginning at verse number 50. Luke 23, verse 50. Behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor. He was a good man and just. The same had not consented to the counsel or deed of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God And so we have a list of things here when we meet Joseph of Arimathea. uh, And it says that he was a good man, he was a just man, and uh, he uh, asked for the body of Christ. All right? He went in, verse 52, this man went to Pilate and begged for the body of Jesus. Now it says that he waited for the kingdom. He was waiting for the kingdom. He waited for the kingdom. We'll go back and think about these. (coughs) And verse 53 he took it down that's the body of Jesus wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone where never man before was laid and so uh, he buries him in his own tomb buries him in his own tomb his own tomb he owned it which means that this man is very wealthy. He's very wealthy. He lives in Arimathea, it's a city away from Jerusalem. He wants to be buried in Jerusalem. And the Jews of that time thought, well, the best place to be buried is in Jerusalem. So he has purchased a piece of property, he's turned it into a garden. We know it was a garden. And then he hired somebody with a hammer and a chisel. <laughs> I can't imagine it. And hammer and a chisel, and there's a big old rock, once you make a tomb out of that rock. I can't imagine how long it would take with a hammer and a chisel. They'd create a four-foot doorway. There's a round doorway that's four foot, that goes in a couple, three or four feet, and then it opens up inside, so once they carve that out, and they got to carve the whole thing out so you can stand up in there, and then against the back wall, they carve out of the rock a big flat area, a shelf, and that's a tomb. And I don't know how long it would take to do something like that. Uh, any stonemasons here? Yeah, you don't want to do that. <laughs> Nobody wants to do that anymore. So it's a very, very expensive thing, and he's got the money to do it and he has given that away given it away to Jesus. Now verse 54 and that day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew on and so uh, Jesus is crucified on Friday Uh, somewhere and this is hard to exactly say uh, we know that he was on the cross from 12 to 3, and that uh, one of the accounts says it comes at 9 o'clock. They take him to be crucified, so they leave Pilate's hall somewhere around 9, go through the town out to Calvary, and uh, maybe at 10 they crucify him. So he's there maybe a couple of hours, and then three more hours from noon to 3. He dies at 3 p.m. And so there's only a maybe three or four hours left in the day until sunset. At sunset on Friday, that's the Jewish Sabbath. It will begin at sunset on Friday and go through Saturday until sunset Saturday. And so... Uh, is taken note of here, and this is a very important fact, that he was preparation, they were preparing and the Sabbath drew nigh. So when Jesus dies on the cross, uh, Joseph goes to Pilate, says I want the body. Now let's go back to Mark and fill in some more details. Mark chapter number 15. And you're going to see it again. They're going to make an important point here about the Sabbath. Mark chapter 15, verse number 42. Now when the evening was come, because it was the preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath... Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly unto Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. And so it says he was bold. He went in boldly and asked for the body of Jesus. (coughs) Now we get a little information. Um, Verse 44. Pilate marbled if he were already dead and calling unto him the centurion he asked him whether he had been any while dead and when he knew of it the centurion he he gave the body to joseph he brought fine linen and took him down wrapped him in the linen laid him in the sepulcher which was hewn out of a rock rolled a stone unto the door of the sepulcher and Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph beheld where he was laid. And so uh, it says he boldly went into Pilate, and Pilate says he can't be dead. He can't be dead already. It's only, well, it's maybe 3.30, okay? Jesus dies, Joseph goes straight to Pilate, and then he's outside the city, would see Jesus die, and so he's gotta go down into the city, through the gates, along the the road that comes out of the north, and then turn on the main road that goes up the temple mount, and he'll go up past the temple which is 27 acres, past all that, and get up to the top, where uh, Pilate was, because Pilate was in a fort, Antonia, above the temple. And so it's going to take him a little while, and he gets to Pilate, and he says, I want the body, and Pilate says, he can't be dead already. He's only 33. he's only been on a cross maybe four or five hours. Nobody dies in four or five hours. He can't possibly be dead. Now, we know, right? We know what happened. Jesus said, I I commend my spirit into your hands. And he released his own spirit. And he died when he decided to die. And he didn't just wait and hang there to die. And so it was a surprise to everybody. It was a surprise to everybody that he was already dead. And the centurions, and now, let me get this. It is Sabbath, and that's what's coming here. It's Sabbath. And everything is going to, a lot of things are going to turn on this Sabbath, which is uh, Saturday, from Friday at sunset through Saturday at the daytime. And so, uh, it's the Sabbath, and the Jews have a rule they can make Pilate observe. Nobody hangs on the cross on the Sabbath. All right. Now, in other situations outside of Israel, there were places where Romans crucified people all over the world. They didn't just crucify Jesus and a few others; they crucified all kinds of people. And there were people who were known to live two weeks on a cross. Take a young, strong man, nail him up there. He's just hanging there. If you give him some moisture in his body, which they did do, they gave him drinks with a sponge, uh, he might live for two weeks. But you see, in Israel, particularly in Jerusalem, on Passover, they don't want those bodies on the cross. And so they tell Pilate, if you're going to crucify him on Friday... You gotta take the bodies down. And so uh, it's time Jesus dies. And so they said, Well, we gotta get all three bodies down. So they have a club and they go to the other two and they swing the club and break their legs one at a time. They're gonna hit you twice and break both of your legs. And <clears throat> they go to the other thief. They break both of his legs. Why are they doing that? Because that's how you live on a cross. You're hung up and uh, you feet are attached to a little block. And so when you wanna exhale, you push up. And you go down, inhale. And wait a while you wanna exhale. Push up with your leg. That's how they lived for hours and hours and hours and hours on a cross. They push up because when you're pulled in this position, your weight of your body is pulling on your diaphragm. Your diaphragm doesn't work like it should. So the only way to exhale would be to push up. So they're going to break their legs. They can't push up anymore. So they smash their legs with a club and they suffocate. They can't breathe and they suffocate. Of course, when they come to Jesus, he's dead, and so uh, they look at him and they say, "Well, you know, we better just make sure." <laughs> they knew, believe me, they knew. These guys were experts in death, uh, but they decide, well, you know, they might ask us, so we'll tell them. And they shove the spear under his rib cage and shove it up to his heart, goes through his heart, pull it back out, now he's dead. And so Pilate sends a message out to the Roman centurion who's in charge of the crucifixion. He says, he can't be dead already. Well, the others, they know are dead because they broke their legs, all right? And he sends a message, but yeah, he died at about three o'clock. He just died. And it was odd because he was pretty loud. And when you're hanging like that, you're not loud anymore because your voice operates by your diaphragm pushing air over your uh, voice box. Well, when you can't exhale, you can't speak usually, barely speak, whisper. But Jesus, as recorded three times, he cried with a loud voice. And so he's still strong enough to speak out loud, push himself up and exhale and speak out loud. And then he just dies. And so uh, it's a surprise to everybody. Uh, It gave Joseph time to go in and ask for that body because it's Sabbath day. And the rules by about, whatever, 5 p.m. or so, 5 or 6 Maybe more likely 6 p.m., they got to get those bodies off the cross and out of sight. And that'll satisfy the Jews. And it's such a thing, it's kind of an amazing thing if we think about it. Uh, Because uh, for the Romans, when Jesus died at noon, the sun went out of sight. And for the Roman soldiers, nothing they'd be afraid of more than that. They're not afraid of people, not afraid of kings or anybody. They're tough hombres. They kill people for a living. Crucify them. These are tough guys. But they're afraid that sun goes dark because the Romans lived by omens. So if they saw an owl, Oh, no, something bad going to happen. And when the sun goes out of sight, you know, they're kind of wowed by that. And then Jesus dies when the light comes back on. Jesus dies, and he's yelling, and he dies, and this is way beyond what they've ever seen before they not seen anything quite like that before, and that turns the the Roman centurion, and he uh, says, uh, <coughs> verse thirty-nine here, when the centurion, which stood over against him, saw that he cried out, so cried out, and gave up the ghost, he said, truly this man was the son of God, and so that turned. The Romans in turn, the way Jesus died. All right? So we want to think about this. Um, the Romans, not the Romans, but the Jewish leaders. They say, no bodies on the cross on a Sabbath day. We can't defile a Sabbath day. With a body on the cross. But we can murder Messiah the day before. But whatever you do, don't leave them bodies on the cross. It'll defile our Sabbath day. And then, when they were trying to get Pilate to come over to their side, Pilate is in his house, in his hall where he stays, and they come and they won't go in so pilate has to come out to talk to him and it says there's a reason they won't go in because he's a gentile he's a roman he's not jewish and if they enter his house they'll be unclean so if we go in the house of pilate we'll be defiled too And so here's people who wouldn't even go in Pilate's house, who want the bodies down. Uh, Why? Well, we can kill Messiah. That's okay. No problem with that. But we can't go in your house, get defiled. Those bodies can't stay on the cross and get defiled. And so it shows the ultimate hypocrisy that killed Jesus. The ultimate hypocrisy. THAT THEY HAD. AND JESUS HAD BEEN DEALING WITH IT ALL ALONG. THAT'S WHY HE HEALED PEOPLE ON THE SABBATH. WHY DID HE CHOOSE TO HEAL PEOPLE ON THE SABBATH? WELL, THEY CAME TO HIM AND he, THERE'S A WOMAN BENT OVER IN THE TEMPLE. It's been like that for years, and he heals her, and she stands upright. There's the man born blind, heals him on the Sabbath day. And all through his ministry, the people that dropped the guy through the ceiling. All right, they drop the four ropes, four guys on the roof, they drop him through the ceiling. He heals him on the Sabbath day. Why? Jesus said, in the law, it's okay if your donkey gets in a hole. If he gets stuck in a mud hole, you can go on a Sabbath day and pull him out. That's allowed. So why aren't I allowed to heal the blind man and the lame man? And why aren't I allowed to heal people on the Sabbath? Of course, he's showing their ultimate hypocrisy. So their idea of Sabbath was... We can't get defiled. We can't do anything to defile us, get those bodies off the cross like it never happened. Right, get them down off the cross. And so uh, we see <coughs> that happen, but something is much more uh, outstanding because as has to do with Joseph. And we're going to go to another passage here. One more in Book of John, John chapter number nineteen. And here again is the story of Joseph going to Pilate and getting the body. Verse thirty-eight. John nineteen thirty-eight. I want you to understand something about the book of John. What we've been doing on Tuesday nights is filling in the blanks, right? You well, know, here's a little bit of information that you missed. Here we'll get it and fill in the blanks. John's whole purpose of writing the book of John is to do exactly that. The first gospel to come out was Mark. And it's a fast action, let's get it up and go gospel. And when you want to read fast from one thing to the next to the next, that's the way it's written. That wasn't the first one that appeared. And Matthew's gospel comes out, and he is the guy that handles money. He was a tax collector. Very close attention to detail. we got the Sermon on the Mount. we got... Many of the parables Precisely laid out you got the end of time laid out by Matthew. He's got he's an expert on details And so that comes out second dr. Luke goes and Interviews people all over gets information and he writes his gospel. That's a third one and John says I've seen what everybody's done now. I'm going to fill in the blanks I'm going to get the things that you guys missed Not that they were, you know, had any other thought other than just to report what happens. But when John says, there's some things you missed, and it's not anything wrong with your writing, but I would like to fill in those blanks. So the very thing that we've been doing on Tuesday night, fill in the blanks, is John's whole point is to fill in the blanks. And now he's about to fill in one of the blanks. Verse 38 of John 19. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, let's write that down, because nobody said that yet. He was, had fear of the Jews, and so he was a secret disciple. He kept it a secret for fear of the (coughs) Jews. He besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus. There's a big gap there now that's filled in. There came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of aloe, myrrh and aloes, about a 100 pound weight. That's a lot of stuff. Nicodemus. Is also a wealthy man. He was said to be the third wealthiest man in Israel. He's a very wealthy man. And they took the body of Jesus, wound it in linen clothes with the spices, as is the manner of the Jews to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. In the garden, a new sepulcher where was never man yet laid. And they laid Jesus therefore because of the Jews' preparation day for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. So, here's the message. He goes to Pilate and if something happened, all right, now it says he was afraid to come out and say anything about being a follower of Jesus. So we have fear turned to boldness. It says he went in boldly and said, Pilate, I want the body. I want that body. And what happened? What changed him from being fearful to all of a sudden being bold? Being very bold and going into Pilate. And uh, Pilate probably only gave him the body because he was a wealthy man. Uh, but another thing, he was also a member of the Sanhedrin. Now, uh, the Sanhedrin is the ruling body, there are 70 members. 70 men, and they're the ruling body in Israel. The Romans allowed them to exist to take care of local arguments. The Romans said, we're not going to argue over who owes who money. We're not going to argue over that. The only thing we're going to deal with is uh, if somebody needs to be killed, we'll do that. And the other thing is taxes. That's all ours, not yours. So we'll take all the taxes, all right? And uh, we'll do that. And you can exist, but we kind of going to strip you of your real power. And so uh, Joseph is a member of the Sanhedrin. He's one of the 70. Now, we have introduced a new character, uh, Nicodemus. Nicodemus. And he is also one of the 70. He's also a member of the Sanhedrin. And so, these two men are going to go to the cross of Jesus and uh, pull the nails out. Get him down off the cross. Pull the nails out and they're going to have to whatever they use to pull nails out, pull the nails out and they got to pick up the body and they wrap it in linen and they carry it out to this gravesite that Joseph owns, which is not that far away, and then they're going <coughs> to take these spices that Nicodemus brought and wrap the body. So what does that mean for them? Sabbath is coming for them. And it is Passover Sabbath. Touch a dead body, you can't participate. If you touch a dead body, you're defiled by that body. So when they said, we'll go to the cross, take Jesus down, they threw out Passover, their own Passover. They couldn't participate in it. And so you see what happens uh, as the Sabbath comes along. uh, The Jews are all, well, you know, can't have anything defile us and they murdered Christ now Nicodemus and Joseph take him off the cross defile themselves shut themselves out of that Sabbath because they did it before the Sabbath but Friday had also been declared Sabbath as the Jews sometimes have a special day they call that a Sabbath day too All right, and so they did it and Friday, they cut the dead body. Now it's dark. It's Sabbath. They buried him just in time. They get away and, uh, and it's dark. And so they have defiled themselves, given up their Passover uh, to bury. Jesus. So Sabbath plays a pretty important role here and it shows us who's who, who's what. Jesus dies at three o'clock. There's only a couple hours left. He's got a Joseph's got to go into town all the way to Pilate. Pilate says, I want to report because I can't believe he's dead. So they got to go back out and get the Roman centurion. He's got to come back to Pilate and tell him, yes, he did die. Here's what happened. And then he releases the body to Joseph. So that may take up an hour. So they're in a hurry to get the job done because it's Sabbath. Now, there's a couple questions I want to start to consider about uh, what happened here. Uh, first of all, I want to go back to this. There's a man who waited, he said, for the kingdom. All right? And what that means is he believes in Messiah. Okay, He believes in Messiah and he believes that he will come. He believes the Messiah will come. Right? Now something happened to Joseph because he was afraid to speak up. He going to say anything. And he was listening to Jesus and he became a secret disciple but he hadn't told anybody yet. And all of a sudden he's very bold. He's very bold. How did he change from fearful to bold? How did he change from fearful to bold? Well, he said, how can we know? Well, John is filling in the blank. He says, Nicodemus was along with him. And when I read about Nicodemus' account, I think it's pretty fascinating. Uh, that he came out to bury Jesus. So let's go backwards in time and work our way back through the history of Nicodemus. His name is never mentioned anywhere except for in the Gospel of John. John's the only one that tells us what Nicodemus did. Nobody else says anything. Because I don't think he was a man of flair. I think he was probably a more quiet man uh, not, not a dud by any means. He's very bright, uh, but he's not got the flair of Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea walked right into Pilate and said, I want that body. Uh, that's a, that was a big deal. Pilate was not somebody you messed with. But Joseph went in and said, hey, I want the body. So something happened, and I'm going to connect it to Nicodemus. Something between these two men Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus and so we're going to work our way back through the, the passages that mention Nicodemus and we're going to go next to uh, John chapter 7. John chapter 7. Now, I'm going to start at uh, verse number 40. Well, let's go to 37 so we get the feeling. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth in me of the scripture has said, Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this is he shouts right out loud, but this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe in him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said of a truth, this is the prophet, or Messiah. That's a word they used to say that. Others said, this is the Christ. Yeah, Messiah. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee. He's from Galilee, and that's a problem. Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. And so the whole basis of their uh, rejection of Jesus Christ was that they believed he was born in Galilee. We know he wasn't. Because Luke told us he was born in Bethlehem. But they didn't know that. And they never asked which to me is the most obvious thing if you say well okay he's supposed to be Messiah where are you born he's got to say Bethlehem because in the Old Testament it said there will be a king born in Bethlehem Ephrata and that's how they said he's got to be born in Bethlehem and he's not but nobody bothered to ask him now here we go Verse 44, some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, why have you not brought him? They sent these officers, police, temple, uh, temple police, I want you to arrest Jesus and bring him to us, and we're going to question him. And they said, why didn't you bring him? And the officers answered, never man spake like this man. And answered the Pharisees, are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. And Nicodemus, there he is saith unto them, he that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, doth our law judge any man before it hear him, and know what he doeth? And they answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee arises no prophet. Every man went to his house. So Nicodemus stands up to the Pharisees. He's one of them. He's one of them. He stands up and he says, we have to hear him out. You've got to listen to what he says. You can't act as a judge unless you know what he says. All right? Will they ever do that? Well, they won't listen. <laughs> Doesn't matter what he says, they won't listen. All right? And so Nicodemus speaks up and says, It's only right if you're going to judge him that you've got to listen to him. Right. Now, how can he say that? Because he listened himself. John chapter 3. We go back a little bit more and we meet Nicodemus again. So this is where he's mentioned in the book of John. He's mentioned here in John 3. They are in the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And Nicodemus comes in the middle of the night because he's a little weary, wary too. Uh, but let's see what happens. Chapter 3, John. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. same came to Jesus by night, said unto him, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now there's a very important word there from Nicodemus. The word is water water, Jesus. He said, well, we know you're a great teacher. He said, never mind that. You've got to be born of water. <laughs> you know, somebody comes in and says, you're a great teacher. And I'll go, I know. I know. <laughs> Not Jesus. comes in and says, you're a great teacher. He said, yeah, remember, you've got to be born of water. And old Nicodemus Heard that before. Where are you here? See, Nicodemus doesn't come to Jesus without hearing already about Jesus. He knows about it. He comes. He says, we know. We've been looking at you, and we've been following you and listening to you, and we know the things you say come from God. He says, never mind that. He says, I tell you a man's got to be born of water. And Nicodemus, down verse 9, answered and said, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? How is he a master? He's on the Sanhedrin. He's a member of the the part, the tribe or party, political party, the Pharisees, but he's also sitting on the Sanhedrin. So he's one of the leaders. Now watch what he says. Verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up you know what Moses did. He put a brass snake on a pole, stuck the pole in the ground, and it's up there over top of everybody's head. And he says to everybody that's being bit by poisonous snakes, if you look at it, you'll live. So look at this snake and live. And Jesus mentions that. And then he says, 15, Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And of course, the most famous of all verses, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So he's talking about himself. And then one more thing I want you to know, verse 19. This is a condemnation. Light came into the world. Men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Now here's what happened the night of the trial of Jesus. The Sanhedrin under Caiaphas is going to meet in the middle of the night. Remember they arrested Jesus about 3 o'clock in the morning. They take him to Caiaphas house and there they're going to put him on trial. The Sanhedrin is going to be there. Alright. But it says that Joseph did not agree. He waited for the king, but he did not agree with the Sanhedrin. That they should do that to Jesus. So how can he not agree and be on the Sanhedrin? Because the whole Sanhedrin decided that he had uh, crucified Jesus. Um, if you look at uh, where am I here? Mark again, Mark again, chapter 15. Let's see if I got it. Uh, Verse 62, Jesus said, I am, that is, I am the Christ. You shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power coming in the clouds of heaven. The high priest rent his clothes and said, what need we any further witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What think ye? They all condemned him to be guilty of death. The Sanhedrin gives the unanimous decision he's guilty of death. But How come Joseph who disagrees with that and Nicodemus how come they didn't say anything? Because they weren't there. They said if we're going to call people here and get rid of this Jesus we got to make sure they have never said anything in the past and that Nicodemus stood up for him. Remember? Nicodemus said we can't judge a man until we hear him so don't call him. So there's not 70 men there. There's 68 at the most because Joseph and Nicodemus weren't called to the trial because they knew that these guys might waver. And so when he's condemned completely like he is, uh, that's the way it turns out. Now, Nicodemus has stood up for Jesus and Jesus says something about water. I mean, I mean, he's heard that before John chapter two, John chapter two. I'm sorry, John chapter one, John chapter one. Let me get it right here. John chapter 2. No, John chapter 1. My, my mistake. John chapter 1. Look at verse 19. This is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who art thou? So they've sent a delegation to John the Baptist and find out who this guy is, this John the Baptist. All right? Now they also, the Pharisees came, verse 24. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him, said unto him, Why baptize thou then, if thou be not the Christ, or Elias, and neither that prophet? And John answered him, saying, I baptize with what? Water. And so it's a good chance that Nicodemus was part of that delegation that went to see John. And so they come to John, and they say, you know, what what are you doing? He said, well, I'm going to baptize you with water. And Jesus, as soon as he talks to Nicodemus, says, you need to be born of water. And he said, you know, we were out talking to John the Baptist, and he, he called us snakes. (laughs) I love it. It's got a style, right? (laughs) Some preachers have a certain style. And they come to John the Baptist and say, we're here to find out who you are. And he said, yeah, well, I know who you are. You're a bunch of snakes. So, of course, they get their hackles up. (laughs) Whatever. He's got to say, we're not going to listen to that. He said, water. So, forget him and his baptism and all that. And then something happened. Verse 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh the man which is preferred before me. For he was before me. All right? And he says, There he is. He's come. Did Nicodemus hear that? There's a good chance that Nicodemus heard it because by the time he goes to Jesus in chapter 3, just a little while later, he says, we've been listening to you. Why would he listen to him? Because John the Baptist said, that's him. Here he is. And so Nicodemus has gone to investigate. Finally, after John the I don't know if I believe him, and he goes to Jesus at night. And Jesus said, "You got to be born of water. You got to be born of water." And He knows what that means. He's not talking about sin needs to be washed away, and that's the same thing John said. And now Jesus says it to him. And then Jesus says, "Here's what I want you to remember: I'm going to be lifted up like the snake in the desert." And I'm sure John. Uh, Nicodemus said, uh, I don't know if I get that. And then what? There he is up on a cross. Oh, I remember he said, the same thing happen to him like happened to the snake. And then I remember one more thing. He said, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And when did they arrest Jesus? Three in the morning. And when did they try him? Four and five in the morning. And rust him from court to court and back and forth. And finally, before sunrise, he's condemned to die. They did it in the dark. And Nicodemus, and that's just what Jesus said. He said he was going to be lifted up. And he said he was going to die for the sins in the world. And there he is on the cross. And sure enough, men love darkness rather than light. They did that. And they never called us to sit on that council because we would have disagreed. And so Nicodemus and Joseph, I'm sure, talked together. And Nicodemus said, look, just what he said. He's hanging up on the cross. So Joseph said you know what I'm not afraid anymore that's got to be him let's get in there and get that body they get it it defiles them when they get it they're defiled because they handled it dead body just before the sabbath they can't participate in it but they stood up for Jesus when nobody else would At some time somewhere we got to speak up for Jesus you can't be secret forever all right we can have our own opinions and we can live in a quiet world but somebody's got to stand up sooner or later and say I'm for him he's the one and Joseph of Arimathea Goes right into Pilate, which is a very daring move. It will mark him for the rest of his life. He went to Pilate and took that body. Put it in his own grave. Gave up his own very expensive grave. Had really no idea what was going to happen. He got it back turned out to be, turned out to be alone. Okay. (laughs) Turned out to be alone. He he gave it to Jesus and Jesus, I don't need this anymore. And came out of that grave. All right. But he got it back. But they stood up and Nicodemus, I'm sure is part of that. As he tells, here's what Jesus said. Tell Joseph, look at, he said he was going to be lifted up and here he is dying on a cross. What are you and I going to do? Well, We're forever going to disagree with what they just did. And we will be known forever as people who said, we're against you guys. And we are not going along with what you do. And we couldn't stop it because we weren't there in the middle of the night. You never asked us in. But we are going to finally stand up and say, I'm for Jesus. He says, and some people say, it's too late, he's dead. No, I don't think it's ever too late to stand up and say, I'm for Jesus. It's never too late. Somewhere people have got to get up and say look, you know, that's who I believe in. I believe in that. And so these men who uh, Nicodemus is very careful he rejects I think first the counsel of John the Baptist but John's kind of a tough preacher. <laughs> Jesus is not. He's sitting there quietly talking uh, to Nicodemus into the wee hours of the morning explaining these things to Nicodemus and Nicodemus says how can these things be? I don't quite get it. Well, you get it now Now you've seen it and what are you gonna do? We're gonna stand up for Jesus. We'll go there and touch that body We'll pull them nails out of hands and feet and we'll grab that dead body and pick it up off the ground, wrap it in linen, carry it to the grave, reopen it, and touch it again with all our spices that Nicodemus brings, wrap him up again, drag him into the tomb, lay him on there, and we are now defiled for Jesus. That kind of defiling God will take. All right, mm-hmm. <laughs> Not these clowns who run around saying, get the bounties, at the cross. Like, Ooh, it's Sabbath. We don't care if he's dead. And I'm kind of happy he's dead. And then, of course, the most amazing thing is that they go to Pilate the next day, Saturday. He's buried Friday just before dark. They get him in the grave. Pull out the wedge and the stone rolls in front of the door, and he's buried. They go to Pilate early the next morning and said, You know, that liar, he kept talking about the third day. So we think they're going to pull a fast one. So we want you to, it's Sabbath, right? They go to Pilate on the Sabbath day. We want him watched. And so they all go out to the tomb. And they weren't even supposed to touch a tomb. And they sealed the tomb. That's why they whitewashed the tombs around Jerusalem. Because if you were walking along and you just happened to go by and you touched the tomb, you're defiled. They went out and sealed the tomb, therefore defiling themselves. But they kind of overlooked that. We're going to have Passover Anyway. Of course, you can overlook, if you can kill Jesus, you can overlook most anything. And that's what they did. And so they went and they sealed the stone and they set a watch. Or Roman soldiers are now watching over a tomb from Saturday morning. Of course, Sunday morning, you know what happened. Big old powerful angel came down. Just, (laughs) he just looked at him. He didn't even say anything to them. He just looked at them and they fell down in a dead fright. They passed out for fear. For that to happen to a Roman soldier, they must have been really something. All right, we know one angel went over Egypt and killed a whole firstborn one night. Oh, they got power, some of these guys. They got power. And this one came down and grabbed a stone Excuse me. Mm." Uh, How much did it weigh? Maybe a ton. 1,500 pounds, 2,000 pounds. And he just rolled it out of the way and sat on it. So I use it for a chair. (laughs) So uh, the burial of Christ shows the ultimate hypocrisy of the Jews. Ultimate hypocrisy of the Jews because of the Sabbath. And their treatment of the Sabbath rules. Except for whenever we feel like breaking them. We can still break them. And then we're okay. All right, the rest of you aren't. And then of course these two men stand up for Jesus. Joseph and Nicodemus. And they get defiled. And it's alright. Because they're going to make a stand. Now here's one thing we know. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea... There is in history a legend. I do not necessarily believe this legend. I don't think it's true, but I have no way to prove or disprove it. But it was said that in England, Joseph Arimathea traveled as a businessman, and he went to England to do business there. And there's a town there, where they say he came to our town. And they also have added to the legend that he brought the young baby Jesus, not the baby, but a young boy, traveled with Joseph of Arimathea and went to England. And they have hymns in their books in this town that say, we, back in our wonderful city, uh, Jesus came as a boy and was here with us. I don't know if that's true. I kind of doubt that. Uh, the reason I doubt it is because he was the oldest son, and sometime along the way, Joseph died. And because he was the oldest son, he would be responsible to take care of Mary. So I can't see him taking a trip to England. All right? I, I don't believe that. But that's one of the legends about Joseph of Arimathea. There's another fact about Nicodemus, and this is a fact about Nicodemus that after the resurrection because he stood up for Jesus and went and claimed the body with Joseph Nicodemus as we said was the third wealthiest man his daughter by the time the church of Acts was in motion and moving his daughter was a beggar in the streets of Jerusalem he lost everything he had to stand up for Jesus and his daughter Nicodemus' daughter became a beggar in the streets of Jerusalem that we pretty much know as a fact about Nicodemus so what did it cost him it cost him nothing what did he gain well, it's what Jesus said. He said, I'm going to ask you sometimes to give up your family and to give up uh, your home and to give up those things. But don't worry. It'll be 30-fold, 60-fold, or even 100-fold. And you say, well, that's heaven. No, no. Jesus said, that's here and there. Bold. All right. So we say he gave up his wealth, his position on the Sanhedrin. No doubt they got rid of him. And uh, all those things that were important to him before, nope, they're gone. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. George Beverly say, Shea sang it when they said to him, you could have been a great opera singer. Yeah, I don't want to do that. I'd rather have Jesus. Alright? So that's another story within the story of Christ. Thank you.